Maddie Fresh on the track up at State. And I'm bringing to you live my boys Alec and Nate, Tequila Ty, Jay Nelly, and Zillin in the building. So kick it back, pour the drink. We chillin' because I'm boozing and bettin' and ballin' like I'm two six in the blue kicks. Watch me move quick. Yeah, it's the blueprint. So who's getting involved? Welcome in to the show. This is booze, bets, and ball, baby. And uh unfortunately, welcome back to, to booze, bets, and ball. Uh yeah, that that went uh well. Um yeah, Penn State lost. 41 to 17. Uh, look, I, I I picked them to lot lose. I didn't yeah, think it was me you're that smart. I, I didn't think it was me that bad. Like honestly, um, I was very surprised by how that went in the second half. But at the same time, I guess I wasn't because that was something we kind of talked about. Was if you're gonna get Michigan, you have to get them early because they take over the second half in the same yeah. exact. That was the fourth straight Big Ten game where they just practically took over the second half. That was horrible. Um. Penn State came out the first drive of the second half, scored a field goal, right? Things yeah. looked kind of okay for a second, but um, it was 41-17, but it was way worse than that. I mean, yeah, I, it, like that does not do it justice, right? Like the yeah. the pick six was a great play by Curtis Jacobs, but if that doesn't, you know, if that doesn't bounce off PJ Mustafer's helmet, that's just an incomplete pass. And they would have punted, they would have forced Michigan to punt once uh, for the day, but like yeah. Wow, uh, that was just a dismantling and all all things. Yeah, even when even when they uh, scored on that pick six, like it still felt like they were losing, even <laughs> though they had like a 14-13 lead. Like just the way Michigan was methodically moving the ball and keeping Penn State. I mean, I'll, I'll bring this up. Like the the time of possession, that kind of stuff is just insane. Like oh, what forty two to eighteen is insane. Like that's uh, out of this world. Mm-hmm. So that's insane. The point or the, I'm sorry, the play differential is insane, right? Yeah. The, um, 28 there or negative 28. So that's the, you know, Penn state has actually won games with a bigger point differential or oh, geez, uh, play differential. Play, yeah. Like they, Wisconsin uh, last year was minus mm-hmm. 44. <laughs> so, and Penn State still managed to win, but Wisconsin's right. offense was not that good. And like they managed yeah. to, Penn State shut down their run game more or less. Um, or I guess kind of, I'd have to go back and look, but it was 16 10, right? So mm-hmm. uh, they did not. But Michigan, we had a lot, Penn State had a lot of tackles missed behind the line, behind or at the line of scrimmage. Blake Corum <laughs> is apparently, you know, one of the best two or three running yeah. backs in the conference now, at least. So, uh, and then Donovan Edwards too. That you know, you, you said they were moving methodically down the field, yeah, until their first drive of the second half when he broke off that you know sixty-seven yard or whatever it was to to score their first touchdown. And then after that, it, there was just no looking back. Yeah, I mean, once you get behind a team that runs the ball like that, uh, it's it's just not going to go well. Um, you know, I, I was surprised maybe by the big plays from Michigan's mm-hmm. because I just thought that. You know, if Carter and Jacobs have enough speed to get to these guys, and the secondary has decent speed, but they were just whiffing on everything. And yeah. I mean, look, the holes at the line of scrimmage were big, and it was bad. But they struggled to tackle for, you know, they struggled to tackle against Purdue, and we kind of wrote that off as first game of the year. And then they looked pretty good the next four games. But you know, they, this looked like they never tackled before. And I know Corm's a smaller guy, kind of, you know. Low center of gravity, pretty well built, hard to t- bring down. But like he was just pinballing off of them 
and it was it was bad it was bad to see like it they did not look and this you know goes back to the bye week thing because they came out pretty flat they did not look prepared and especially at the line of scrimmage i mean they got destroyed on both sides they did. Uh, well, I mean, off- okay. Offensively, the run game was not good, but I mean, the the, the pass protection for whatever twenty two passes or whatever that Clifford had or twenty nine, I forget. Um, yeah, I think it was twenty nine passes, twenty two rushes, um, or the other way around. There wasn't a lot of pressure on him, right? It just the, no. the running game could never get going, and the yeah, the defensive line, and there were no adjustments made whatsoever. On it seemed like, I mean, maybe there were, but. Even Joel Klatt late in the game is pointing out how like oh yeah Penn State's got five guys in the box and then Cora runs for thirty yards because you had you're you're blocking four guys and then he makes the other guy miss it was it was just really bad all around that way um, yeah uh, that, that's the thing I don't yeah I don't understand because the staff spends all off season and pretty much up until this point in the season talking about how great the secondary is. Yeah, and yet it's kind of like they don't trust them because they won't stack the box against play man. Yeah, they're they're so worried about getting beat on the big play through the air. And it's like, well, okay, if you have a first round pick in Porter at cornerback, and you have another good cornerback in King, it's like I I thought you weren't worried about those things because you put together this great secondary. So why why aren't you still putting seven eight in the box against these run happy teams? If you do yeah. trust those second guys in the secondary, that just that doesn't make sense. Yeah, uh, for what it's worth, Michigan defense accounted for four tackles for loss and two sacks. Penn State had seven tackles for loss on many more plays, obviously, yeah. and one sack. Um, so the offensive line, like I don't know, uh, our running backs, like when they get hit behind the line or at the line, they go down, and the Michigan guys did not. Right, is kind of the yeah. difference there. But yeah, you're that you're right. It, it just. There was a lot of zone, a lot of really far off zone too. The the first drive Michigan had, there was a pass around midfield. I forget exactly, mm-hmm. but um, it was just it was a hitch, and there was nobody within eight yards of the receiver. And like, that's yeah, kind of how it's kind of how it went the whole game, right? Like I, I think a lot of people were talking about how if you want to beat Michigan, um, you want to make, and this was on the Saturday shows, like you need to make JJ McCarthy beat you. Uh, yeah. Urban Urban was making this point quite a bit. Penn State did absolutely zero to make. Uh, JJ McCarthy beat them, right? Like uh, none of these things. And I don't know what you do differently. I am not a multi-million dollar paid coach, uh, but I know it wasn't that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot more questions than answers. I think that came out of this game. Cause quite frankly, I, I don't think anyone played good. Like I, I, I can't really look at even a positional group that I thought was good because really no one was, I mean, the receivers, it seems like they struggled to get open at times too, yeah. like a lot of the time. And Clippers just kind of dancing back there, waiting, mm-hmm. waiting, and nothing was there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. part of that too is I, I don't know what the plan is on offense, why, you know, they knew Michigan had a pretty good D line that was going to give the offensive line problems. And they did nothing to like alleviate that by throwing like screens or just slants or something quick. It seemed like every route they were going was like 10, 15 yards yeah. downfield where it was just taking too long. And these guys were guarded mm-hmm. and there was nowhere to go with the ball. Like there was nothing, there was no emphasis on trying to just get the ball in like Parker Washington's hands or Tinsley's hands and just letting them make a play, like something quick. It was like, everything was too drawn out and it, yeah. it cost them like, and the same with the running backs too. Like, Singleton had six carries. All six of them are, 
he ran into a wall between the tackles. We know he's not a most yeah. you know physical in between the tackles back. We know that's more Allen, and Allen might be a little better with his cuts and stuff. But he has incredible speed. So why aren't you throwing him swing passes or pitching it outside the tackles and just letting his speed be a, a difference? I, you know, we tried to first five games. We're like, okay, they're being bland. They're being bland on purpose. Like they're going to come out with a game plan. And, you know, at that point, I, I think it, it's clear now we were just kind of lying to ourselves, hoping that was the case. Like, I, I think oh, that's yeah, just yeah. kind of what they are. Like, I don't know why they refuse to do some of those things. And, get those guys the ball faster more often. It, it's just really confusing. Yeah. And, and all that started with the very first drive on third down. They had third and two or whatever, third and one. Yeah. And they tried to run Singleton, I think kind of off tackle or off guard. And he had to pop it outside or try to, because there was no hole there. And then that, that just kind of set up the whole, the whole day, right? Like maybe that's one where you want to see Kevon Lee, who is going to go forward and mm-hmm. get what he can get. Uh, there was a lot of comment about that play too. That there was a, a huge hole over the like left side of the center, um, where Clifford could have easily snuck it for a first down. So wonderful. Um, but to your point, like last week, the Indiana game, at least in the first half, and again, Michigan does different things in the first and second half. Uh, that's all they were marching down the field, just you know, uh-huh. screen to the left, screen to the right, screen to the left, screen to the right, and Michigan did not quite have the secondary to stop them. Um, and it got the ball out quick, and it got people in space. Uh, Parker Washington is really good in space when he has the ball. So, yeah, just uh, I don't know. Maybe they didn't watch that game. <laughs> so they, you I know, mean, I, like it. I guess. I mean, it, it also seems like they kind of got away from if they did have a plan. The fact that they went three and out on the first two drives, it seems like they just totally threw it out. Then, even though the game was relatively close, then up until like you know on the middle point of the yeah. the third quarter, they just kind of went to this like air raid attack where they're like, we have to throw the ball downfield to get back in this game. And it's like, if you just stuck with what you thought you were going to do, and maybe that was like bubble screens and swing passes and stuff, it might've worked. And, you know, you might've held on to the ball a little longer than 18 minutes and, yeah. you know, scored and gave your defense a rest. I I don't want to say that the offense going off the field so quick was the only reason that the defense gave up 418 rushing yards because there's a lot that went into that too, like we talked about earlier, but mm. it's, it certainly didn't help. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's at the point where you, you start to question your sitch a little bit. I mean, 17 points against Northwestern, technically 10 for the offense against Michigan. It's just kind of like, like where, where are they going here? Cause they don't look like they have a plan or an identi- yeah, identity. Saw, like you wrote that again, right today yeah. in VBR that they, we don't have an identity and that was the same issue last year. So on Thursday or so, and there will be a for the bloggy uh, different kind of offensive metrics uh, from the last fifteen years, like all the coordinators versus Yurchich, Yurchich, and versus Sharaka. Um, I don't know what they do good now, right? Like the the longing for the days of Ricky Ronnie being the offensive coordinator is kind of where we're at right now because it, it does not. There is no identity. There is nothing like the. There's a big improvement of twenty. 2022 thus far versus 2021 mm-hmm. but like that's built on you know except for this game and kind of the, the crap game of northwestern like it's built on a pretty weak schedule right that they mm-hmm. played in central michigan ohio and purdue uh so like i don't know um we'll see we'll see how it evolves but i would not be shocked if the 2022 offense ends up being 
no better than the 2021 offense was by the time they get through Minnesota and Ohio State and a couple of the other teams. Maryland's going to be pretty good too. So, yeah, you know, it, it's kind of crazy. Um, I don't know. No identity. No, no real seemingly kind of true plan. And it looked good in the first couple of games with Singleton and Patron yeah. Allen kind of, you know, again, <clears throat> chewing up really kind of not great offenses or defenses. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, know. You know, the, <laughs> I don't know. the two the two drives they scored was when they had, you know, 50-yard plays. They had so the 62-yard uh, run by Clifford and the 48-yard the pass to Wallace. And it's like, so, you know, we talked about how they refused to kind of throw the ball downfield. And I know I just said, the whole, you know, they didn't, thing, yeah. they didn't do it quick enough to, you know, try screens and stuff. And then I'm going to say they didn't try the ball downfield. But the the truth is when they do do those big plays every once in a while, it does seem to jumpstart their offense because the truth is they just don't run the ball consistently enough to sustain no. these long drives, which they want to do. That was a really good catch by Harrison Wallace, who yeah. had a drop in the end zone against Northwestern. Right? So good to see him. I think it was him. who uh, Good to see him come back. Um I, I know this off the top of my head because I had to calculate it a bunch of times and like it makes it makes me want to throw up every time. Um they got 40% of their offensive yards on two plays, which yeah. is like four percent of their plays or something like that. Right. Yeah, so yeah. that's yeah, they really, had... really, really bad. <laughs> you know, yeah, they... there's yeah. no there's just nothing that you're doing right besides getting lucky four percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Um you're not gonna win any games like that. You're not you're not gonna you're definitely not going to win the conference like that, right? And that's that's kind of a new thing. It wasn't like that so far the whole year. But if that is where they go from here, like Chuck and Hope, and you don't have Chris Godwin and Saeed Blacknall and Mike Gusecki, who we don't, and Saquon Barkley, like you're not going to win. Right? It's just it's just a disaster waiting to happen. So yeah, it is. So um, you know that, that I guess that's enough about what happened maybe in the middle of the game. But I, I guess we have to get to the whole quarterback thing again because it came up and uh, Clifford ended up getting hurt. You know, he took that shot when he ran out of the pocket on that yeah. third third and 19 or whatever it was. And, you know, he took a pretty good hit to the upper body. And I don't know if it was that play. I think it probably was considering they kept talking about his shoulder or whatever. Um, so Aller came in and played about 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. I think he, what, he was like five for 10 for 37 yards or something along those lines. You know, of course, the game was pretty much out of reach. Yeah. But I, I, this game to me was not – on Clifford because as I just mentioned, the two times they scored was pretty much because he made plays. Uh, (laughs) You know, I I don't think Aller's having that 62 yard run like Clifford had. I I just don't. And it it was just so weird because still on Twitter, it was the whole Aller, Aller, Aller when Penn State was getting smoked. And it was, they gave up 418 rushing yards. They didn't, Michigan didn't punt once, you know, no, none of the receivers seemed to get open. The game plan on offense was ridiculous. And I really don't think, in this is- instance, who the quarterback was really would have made that big of a difference because it just looked like there was so many other things going wrong here. And I think, in a way, that's kind of concerning because I think we thought that Aller next year just comes in and like everything rises up a level. And then you watch a game like that and you're mm-hmm. like, eh, I'm not really sure if that's the case. I agree. I, he wasn't winning that game. I, I That much I know 100%, right? Like that, that losing by 24 points is not the quarterback um, who actually had a somewhat better day than the opposing quarterback, or at least very comparable to, right? So that, that makes no difference. Um, 
Yeah, going forward. Okay, so here, what do you do now? So let's say Clifford mm-hmm. is kind of hurt, right? And not injured yeah. per se, but kind of hurt. Like, do you do you put Aller out there and let him get some experience, or you know, do you play the guy, the old guy who? I don't know. Like, what is the difference in outcome that you're looking for for the balance of this year? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you know, if he's if he's banged up. I, I would like to see Aller just because we saw a banged up Clifford last year and it was not good because a reason what makes him effective is the fact that he moves well. Yeah. And if, you know, there was that whole rumor with his knee thing a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago and now the shoulder thing, like, I just don't think if these two injuries are real that he's going to move that well. And that kind of takes away what separates him from Aller right now is the fact that he can move and he yeah. can have a 62 yard run like that. And if that's not there, then, you know, Aller's going to go through some growing pains, especially against a good defense like Minnesota. But I I, I don't know. Like, I, I doubt they dress Clifford and then like keep him as plan B. Oh, that's goes, a disaster. Don't yeah. Like, right yeah, that's just not going to happen. So, like make I, the fans think that he's like really hurt, right? Like put yeah, him in a shoulder brace or something like that. So that they'd they'd have to do that, and you know, and just that way, like all excuse, you know, yeah. the 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 staff is kind of absolved from any, you know, wrongdoing or any however you want to put that. But yeah, I I, I think <laughs> you maybe try Aller this week, and if you lose, then you go to Aller anyway because your season's over at two you know, conference losses, you're done. The best you could do is the orange bowl, I guess. Um, so yeah, from that point, you got to beat, you got to beat Ohio state to do that. So, right. 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 So I mean, then I guess you're talking about like the citrus bowl or yeah. something like that. So, I mean, but then, then at that point it doesn't matter. So, you know, it, it's kind of in a way a double-edged story because I don't, if Aller wins, they might stick with them. Yeah. If they, if they lose, then the season's pretty much over. So you go with them anyway. So I don't think there's a way if that happens where Clifford's back out there outside of maybe senior day. So they're in between a rock and a hard place though. I agree. um, But I think the choice is easy if Clifford is at all hurt. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, It's a lot easier. And like his knee thing or whatever, I mean, he ran, he had a 64 year run or whatever, right? That he looked, I mean, he got caught like by a really fast quarterback or right. a safety or whatever it was. So like, I think it looks, he looked like he moved pretty well. Now I don't know which shoulder he, he went out of bounds on the left side. So I think it must've been his right shoulder, which that could be a, a major issue. Yeah. Yeah. If it is and, that, yeah. Um, but man, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like the, I agree with you that it is a catch 22 and you can really screw things up one way or the other, depending on what you do. But also there, there's not a after that game there's not a lot of goodwill left in the fan base i think right because mm-hmm. that was for my money that was the worst loss that they've had since at least 20 2016 um so you got to do something and you got to yeah. like start giving people hope again because there is none right now yeah yeah so we're gonna wind this down in a couple of minutes but you know we just talked about you just talked about with the worst losses and the thing that's crazy to me is the last three times they've played at the big house with fans. Yeah. The score's 132 to 34. Yeah. And you know, the the COVID team won there. The 2014 team, which was awful, lost by I think five. I think it was 18 or 13 or something like that. And then so the three times that Franklin went there with a talented team 
that you know they were talented because let's be honest, mm-hmm. they won eleven games those or nine and eleven those yeah. two mm-hmm. those two other years. Like they were good teams. They've just been destroyed, and I, I'm trying to understand what the problem is that they don't match up with Michigan at all when they go to the big house, and then. They and then come next to, year, yeah, they're they, going to beat them next year, right? Yeah, yeah they, they yeah. come to Michigan, and, or they Michigan comes to Penn State, and Penn State, like, runs their own game. You know, like, we saw Barkley run wild that yeah. in 17, and then in 19, uh, Clifford and Hamler couldn't miss. Yeah. And then even last year, a really bad Penn State team should have won that game. Almost so, them, yeah. so, like, it's just confusing to me. The difference of being on the road takes you from equal to above footing to – when you go percent. when you go there you you play like UConn like yeah. I, I, I I don't, I don't understand what yeah. that is like that makes zero sense but but I will I mean this one is the worst out of those three at least because in 2016 they were missing all their linebackers right um mm-hmm. and they were not who they were going to be by the end of that yeah. year right yeah. um there were still a lot of question marks about them uh yeah. 2018 by that time that was late in the season Trace was really yeah. hurt right yeah. and um they ended up playing which one? Tommy Stevens. Tommy Stevens, right? yeah, like, he played, yeah. I get those two guys mixed up for very, like in what years they were here. Um, this year, like, they were undefeated, had a hell of a lot of momentum, and we think they are equally as talented in Michigan and got their doors blown off, right? Yeah. Like, this is the worst out of those uh, easily. It's worse than any of the 2017-2018 two, the Ohio State games because at least those were competitive and they, they had a chance, right? I, I would much rather lose close to, you know, a team that ends up in the playoff than – get killed by a team that ends up in the playoff um what are other notable losses like the rose bowl okay that was like one of the greatest games of all time probably should have won that one but didn't um this is like this is like rain delay michigan michigan state 2017 where you know just like nothing really went right at the end still should have won that one too though so they they had no business on the same field as michigan last week no it it didn't look it um, I don't know. I'm sad. And uh <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll watch the game this weekend, right? Because it's a night game and it's a whiteout. Yeah, but uh yeah. I don't know. Probably I will not like wear all white or anything. <laughs> you know, because I gotta be sitting in my house, so who cares? <laughs> but like, you know. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know. Uh you know, coming off of Binder Franklin, they're now three and seven, which is ridiculous. They're Oh, oh, and four at the big house in games that there's fans. And since beating Ohio State in the whiteout in 2016, they're Owen, Owen 10 against teams in the top 10. So I, I don't know. After their first loss of the season, Uh, they've lost, they've lost the last four years. They've lost, or no, no, not 2019. They came back. They beat Indiana. Okay. Uh, 2017, consecutive losses. 2018, consecutive losses. 2020, consecutive losses. And last year, consecutive losses. Yep. So I am not feeling great about it. Okay. And Minnesota can do exactly the same things that Michigan did and exactly the same things that Illinois did last year. So. I know yards, rushing yards don't score points, uh, but like if you're going to hold the ball for 40 plus minutes um, when you're playing an opposing offense that doesn't really score at a super high rate, then uh, it's a useful strategy to, to just run the hell out of the ball. So yeah. anyway, hey, man, it's always good seeing you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no matter 
<laughs> no matter the circumstances, I guess. Uh, yeah, we'll be back later in the week with a, a little Minnesota preview, get more into that, talk about the whiteout and all that fun stuff. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm going to be at the whiteout on Saturday and the Phillies play at the same exact time. So, Oof. yeah, I don't know what I'm, I'm going to bring a TV into the stadium, I guess, but I, I don't know what else to do. That That's going to be a problem. All right. So uh, I'll give you my direct TV. All right. Log sounds, in, so. I'm sorry if you watch this. I'm sorry you had to watch it. I mean, I, no one wanted to talk about this. But uh, yeah. as always, thanks for watching.